0: Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Hey guys, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Brad, and today we're looking at Second Samuel 24. Uh, and the primary the primary focus of this thing is that David is going to take a census. Uh, as we read over this passage, we get we get the story as recorded in 2 Samuel, we get the story as recorded in 1 Chronicles, uh, and as we read over it and then took a little bit of time to talk about it—actually, a little bit of time is underselling—we took a bit of time to talk about it—what uh, actually rises to the top for us is some of these things seem inconsistent. Um, so, like, as we were reading over it, we noticed three major differences. The first one is actually how the story starts— 2 uh, Samuel is going to say that the Lord caused this story to start. Um, and then the, the First Chronicles passage is going to say Satan caused the story to start. Um, if you look at the actual numbers counted in the census, uh, one of the accounts is going to say a small number. Another account is going to say a pretty large number. Uh, and then again, when we look at how much was paid for a threshing floor that David purchased, you're going to get a small number in one passage, a pretty big number uh, of gold instead of silver. In another passage. So as we look over these uh, inconsistencies, and actually as we look over the reading as a whole, uh, Brad, what stuck out to you as we were talking through these things?
0: Well, I think one of the things that we see really quickly is David going and saying, hey, I want to take the census, and even his friends and his his advisors going, no, don't do it. This is bad. And it, it seems a little confusing to us of like, why is it bad to count people? Um, And and it, it doesn't seem to make sense. But really what we need to do is recognize that in Exodus 50, God had already set forward a plan to count people. And David wasn't just going, hey, I want you to go count people. He was going and saying, I want you to do it and ignore what God said. And that's what's much more significant here, is he was not following the plan that God had laid out for them. Yeah, definitely. You can actually find that plan in Exodus 30. So in Exodus 30,
1: uh, it's verses uh, 12 to 16. God basically lays out, this is how you take a census. This is what you do. And we can actually take away from just the text we read today uh, that there was an understanding or at least an appreciation for that Exodus 30 passage because the people were like, whoa, wait. Um, And so the takeaway is not, and you actually already said this a little bit, the takeaway is not that you're not allowed to count people, it's that the way that David is doing it is 100% not how it's supposed to be done. Uh, And if you do take time to look in Exodus 30, what's interesting to me is that God says, if you don't do this the right way, there will be a plague among your people.
0: Well, and he goes further and actually says, when you're doing this, what I want you to do is raise money from all the people that you're counting so that you can fund the the temple, essentially, it's the like temple of the time. Yeah. And that's exactly what David ends up doing, even though he messes up the process. Mm-hmm. It's, it's
1: a pretty inter- interesting text. Uh, overall, I think what we get from it is this idea of God's sovereignty, uh, how he is making all these things come into play, which is how you can reconcile the way that both of these passages start. So 2 Samuel says that God is kind of at the center of this, Uh, First Chronicles says that Satan is kind of at the center of this. That doesn't have to be seen as a contradiction. Uh, Second Samuel is wanting us to understand the sovereignty of God in all situations. We've actually seen that play out in several of the stories. If you've been listening to the podcast uh, over the past several weeks, we've talked a lot about how God is in control despite all these things that people are doing. And what the First Chronicles passage is trying to do is show us like how... A uh, messed up and how fallen the people have become, and so what we see is the author of Chronicles saying, "Hey, Satan is stirring up David because there's evil at the center of this because people are fallen," and Second Samuel is saying, "God is at the center of this because I care very much about the sovereignty of God and the way that He uses human events to accomplish what He wants." Um, so that's not that's not super hard to reconcile. There's some other goofy
0: things like the census numbers. Um, yeah, how in the heck do you manage <laughs> to reconcile the fact that one count? was 1.1 million people, and the other count was only, uh, where is it, 800,000.
1: Yeah, there, it's a significant difference, and it's, and it's the same thing with these uh, payment numbers later. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we took a little bit of time to read up on some of this stuff. Uh, the most compelling thing, and, and you'll find like people trying to do gymnastics, like, well, that's not really what they meant, and it's like, a little bit weird. Um, I think the thing that I read that was the most convincing to me is that actually the two books are counting different kinds of numbers of people. So one is telling us exactly how many fighting men are present and able in the whole Israel and Judah uh, with the, the omission of like two tribes. I think Um, the other book is recording those additional people uh, in addition to the army, which is already counted, which actually makes a decent bit of sense. I think, So there's already a standing army in Israel. Those people are already accounted for. So one book is giving us the additional count. The other book is giving us the full count. Um, The other interesting piece is the difference in money that gets paid. Uh, One is a small, what is it? 50 shekels of silver. Right. And the other is like 600 shekels of gold, I think. Yeah. Um, What's happening there is we're just actually getting two different accounts of what is being paid for. The 50 shekels of silver is paying for oxen and stuff to build the fire and this small little plot of land. The gold is being paid for this enormous plot of land that surrounds the entire threshing floor where they're going to build this whole temple complex that includes a palace and everything else. Uh, That plot of ground is still over there. I mean, you can go visit this place right now. It's an enormous plot of land. So it's a, it's a, it's a pretty big piece that's going to obviously be worth more than 50 shekels of silver. So what I would say is what was actually paid was, 600 shekels of gold, 50 pieces of silver as well, which brings it all into total and into context. Um, Does this move the ball much in your personal life as you strive to study scripture? Probably not. Um, I confessed how much I like that nerdy stuff just two days ago, and Mandy called me on it. Um,
0: Why does this actually even matter, Brad? Does it matter? It can. Uh, you know, one of the tenets of, of faith that a lot of people hold to is what's considered the inerrancy of Scripture. It basically means that the Bible by itself does not have any errors. And that is something that a lot of people really hold as a, as a central tenet of their faith there's there's struggles with that. And sometimes then we look at this and we're going, hey, are we justifying two stories that, that maybe we shouldn't? You know, it's hard to, to understand all the time. Um, and, and there's lots of different parts in here. We have to remember that none of this was written in English. So there are translation differences. There's understanding and cultural differences. There's all those kind of things that happen um, that you can still maintain and hold on to the inerrancy of Scripture and go, hey, I don't... Quite get why these pieces mesh together. And and also I think it's important as we're we're reading this is recognizing that the authors were focused on different things. And and you've seen it. You've probably read two news articles that the 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 authors of the news articles were standing in the same place, but they report on it differently. And that's some of what's happening here. It doesn't mean one's right and one's wrong. It's just they're they're taking different parts of the story in, and you're telling you because they're taking it from a different purpose. Yeah, exactly. Um,
1: I I do think it's worth drilling into the specifics. I do think it's worth understanding, you know, the two different accounts of the same story. Of course, there's going to be differences. Um, and that just because there's two different stories doesn't mean that we can't trust the Bible, we can't believe what it says. That's right. I think that the real world takeaway for us is probably found in the way that David does this census. I think that God calls us to do things in a certain way, right? He calls us to live life in a specific fashion, in a specific manner. Anytime we get outside of those bounds, we're going to be in trouble. So David, you know, I'm sure he's probably able to convince himself like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm... Taking a census, and I'm not doing it exactly the right way, but I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Well, the worst that could happen is there could be a plague for several days. Um, we've, we've got to strive to live the way that God has called us to live. And when we get outside of those bounds, weird stuff happens. And so if, if you're looking for just like a tangible takeaway for the day, like take a minute and consider the, the steps that you're taking, the ways that you're living, the choices that you're deciding— are you doing those in a manner that is exactly what God has called you to do? Or are you kind of convincing yourself that like, well, it's it's pretty close and you don't want to be pretty close. <laughs> we want to actually live in a way that God has called us. We want to be able to be authentic, real followers of Jesus, not just pretty close. And anytime we're pretty close, we're actually just falling short of what we've already been called to do. So um, hopefully you're getting something out of this. Maybe today you're like, sweet. Now I understand. Maybe today you're like, man, stop talking about all the weird numbers. Uh, Great news. We won't be talking about that tomorrow, sort of. (laughs) We'll see you then. Bye. 2 Samuel chapter 24, starting in verse 1. Once again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he caused David to harm them by taking a census. Go and count the people of Israel and Judah, the Lord said to him. So the king said to Joab and the commanders of the army, take a census of all the tribes of Israel from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south so that I may know how many people there are. But Joab replied to the king, May the Lord your God let you live to see a hundred times as many people that there are now. But why, my lord the king, do you want to do this? But the king insisted that they take the census, so Joab and the commanders of the army went out to count the people of Israel. First they crossed the Jordan and camped at Aror, south of the town in the valley, in the direction of Gad. Then they went on to Jazir, then to Gilead in the land of Tatham-Hadashai, and to Dan-John around Sidon. Then they came to the fortress of Tyre and all the towns of the Hivites and Canaanites. Finally, they went south to Judah as far as Beersheba. Having gone through the entire land for nine months and twenty days, they returned to Jerusalem. Joab reported the number of people to the king. There were 800,000 capable warriors in Israel who could handle a sword and 500,000 in Judah. First Chronicles 21. Satan rose up against Israel and caused David to take a census of the people of Israel. So David said to Joab and the commanders of the army, take a census of all the people of Israel, from Besheba in the south to Dan in the north, and bring me a report so I may know how many there are. But Joab replied, May the Lord increase the number of the people a hundred times over. But why, my lord the king, do you want me to do this? Are they not all your servants? Why must you cause Israel to sin? But the king insisted that they take the census, so Joab traveled throughout all of Israel to count the people. Then he returned to Jerusalem and reported the number of people to David. There were 1,100,000 warriors in all Israel who could handle a sword, and 470,000 in Judah. But Joab did not include the tribes of Levi and Benjamin in the census because he was so distressed at what the king had made him do. 2 Samuel 24 But after he had taken the census, David's conscience began to bother him. And he said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly by taking this census. Please forgive my guilt, Lord, for doing this foolish thing. The next morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, who was David's seer. This was the message. Go and say to David, this is what the Lord says. I will give you three choices. Choose one of these punishments, and I will inflict it on you. So Gad came to David and asked him, Will you choose three years of famine throughout your land, three months of fleeing from your enemies, or three days of severe plague throughout your land? Think this over and decide what answer I should give the Lord who sent me. I'm in a desperate situation, David replied to Gad, but let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great. Do not let me fall into human hands. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel that morning, and it lasted for three days. A total of 70,000 people died throughout the nation, from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south. But as the angel was preparing to destroy Jerusalem, the Lord relented and said to the death angel, Stop! That is enough. At that moment, the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Arunah in the, the Jebusite. When David saw the angel, he said to the Lord, I am the one who has sinned and done wrong, but these people are as innocent as sheep. What have they done? Let your anger fall against me and my family. 1 Chronicles 21 God was very displeased with the census, and he punished Israel for it. Then David said to God, I have sinned greatly by taking this census. Please forgive my guilt by doing this foolish thing. Then the Lord spoke to Gad, David's seer. This was the message. Go and say to David, this is what the Lord says. I will give you three choices. Choose one of these punishments and I will inflict it on you. So Gad came to David and said, these are the choices the Lord has given you. You may choose three years of famine, three months of destruction by the sword of your enemies, or three days of severe plague, as the angel of the Lord brings devastation throughout the land of Israel. Decide what answer I should give the Lord who sent me. I'm in a desperate situation, David replied to Gad, but let me fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is very great. Do not let me fall into the hands of humans. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel, and 70,000 people died as a result. And God sent an angel to destroy Jerusalem. But just as the angel was preparing to destroy it, the Lord relented and said to the death angel, Stop. That is enough. At that moment, the angel of the Lord was standing by the threshing floor of Arona, the Jebusite. David looked up and saw the angel of the Lord standing between heaven and earth with his sword drawn, reaching out over Jerusalem. So David and the leaders of Israel put put on burlap to show their deep distress and fell face down on the ground. And David said to God, I am the one who called for the census. I am the one who has sinned and done wrong. But these people are as innocent as sheep. What have they done? O Lord, my God, let your anger fall against me and my family. Do not destroy your people. 2 Samuel 24, verse 18. That day Gad came to David and said to him, Go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. So David went up and did what the Lord commanded him. When Aruna saw the king and his men coming toward him, he came and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Why have you come, my lord the king? Aruna asked. David replied, I have come to buy your threshing floor and to build an altar to the Lord there so that he will stop the plague. Take it, my lord the king, and use it as you wish, Aruna said to David. Here are oxen for the burnt offering, and you can use the threshing boards and ox yokes for wood to build a fire on the altar. I will give it all to you, your majesty, and may the Lord your God accept your sacrifice. But the king replied to Aruna, No, I insist on buying it, for I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. So David paid him fifty pieces of silver for the threshing floor and the oxen. David built an altar there to the Lord and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings, and the Lord answered his prayer, for the land, and the plague on Israel was stopped. First Chronicles twenty one, verse eighteen. Then the angel of the Lord told Gad to instruct David to go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. So David went up to do what the Lord had commanded him through Gad. Aruna, who was busy uh, who was busy threshing wheat at the time, turned and saw the angel there. His four sons who were with him ran away and hid. When Aruna saw David approaching, he left his threshing floor and bowed before David with his face to the ground. David said to Aruna, "'Let me buy this threshing floor from you at its full price. Then I will build an altar to the Lord there so that he will stop the plague. Take it, my lord the king, and use it as you wish,' Aruna said to David. "'I will give the oxen for the burnt offerings and the threshing boards of wood for fire at the altar, and the wheat for the grain offering. I will give it all to you.' But King David replied to Aruna, "'No, I insist on p- buying it for full price.'" I will not take what is yours and give it to the Lord. I will not present burnt offerings that have cost me nothing. So David gave Aruna six hundred pieces of gold in payment for the threshing floor. David built an altar there to the Lord and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. And when David prayed, the Lord answered him by sending fire from heaven to burn up the offering on the altar. Then the Lord spoke to the the Lord spoke to the angel who put the sword back in its sheath. When David saw the Lord had answered his prayer, he offered sacrifices there at Aruna's threshing floor. At that time, the tabernacle of the Lord and the altar of the burnt offering that Moses had made in the wilderness were located at the place of worship in Gibeon. But David was not able to go there to inquire of God because he was terrified by the drawn sword of the angel of the Lord. Then David said, This will be the location for the temple of the Lord God and the place of the altar for Israel's burnt offerings. 1 Chronicles 22 verse 2 so David gave orders to call together the foreigners living in Israel, and he assigned them the task of preparing finished stone for building the temple of God. David provided large amounts of iron for the nails that would be needed for the doors and the gates and for the clamps, and he gave more bronze than could be weighed. He also provided innumerable cedar logs, for the men of Tyre and Sidon had brought vast amounts of cedar to David. David said, my son Solomon is still young and inexperienced, and since the temple to be built for the Lord must be a magnificent magnificent structure, famous and glorious throughout the world, I will begin making preparations for it now. So David collected vast amounts of building materials before his death. Then David sent for his son Solomon and instructed him to build a temple for the Lord, the God of Israel. My son, I wanted to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord my God, David told him. But the Lord said to me, You have killed many men in the battles you have fought, and since you have shed so much blood in my sight, you will not be the one to build a temple to honor my name. But you will have a son who will be a man of peace. I will give him peace with his enemies in all the surrounding lands. His name will be Solomon, and I will give peace and quiet to Israel during his reign. He is the one who will build a temple to honor my name. He will be my son, and I will be his father, and I will secure the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now, my son, may the Lord be with you and give you success as you follow his directions in building the temple of the Lord your God. And may the Lord give you wisdom and understanding that you may obey the law of the Lord your God as a rule over Israel. For you will be successful if you carefully obey the decrees and regulations that the Lord gave to Israel through Moses. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or lose heart. I have worked hard to provide materials for building the temple of the Lord, nearly 4,000 tons of gold and 40,000 tons of silver, and so much iron and bronze that it cannot be weighed. I have also gathered timber and stone for the walls, though you may need to add more. You have a large number of skilled stonemasons and carpenters and craftsmen of every kind. You have expert goldsmiths and silversmiths and workers of bronze and iron. Now begin the work, and may the Lord be with you. Then David ordered all the leaders of Israel to assist Solomon in the project. The Lord your God is with you, he declared. He has given you peace with the surrounding nations. He has handed them over to me, and they are now subject to the Lord and his people. Now seek the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. Build the sanctuary of the Lord God so that you can bring the ark of the Lord's covenant and holy vessels of God into the temple built to honor the Lord's name.